everybody. This is Justin Shelley, CEO of Master Computing, coming at you with episode four of Stupid or Irresponsible. And as always, I am here with my co-host, Mr. Joe Malo. Joe, say hi. Howdy. Joe, uh, listen, as we, uh, as we get started here today, I want to maybe do a little bit better introduction on ourselves. What, uh, what, what started your love affair with technology? Oh, boy. Uh, my love affair with technology. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's the same as the kids nowadays. It'd be video games. Um, I remember that first time my dad brought an Atari home. <laughs> Started playing with that. Um, the original Atari. Oh, yeah, original Atari. Um, he actually came home with two arcade games, uh, actually arcade machines. Oh. Like standalone, stand-up nice, nice. arcade cabinets. Um, unfortunately, I think I was I, four or five years old. I wanted to play with them. Um, and so all the little capacitors that were on the main board, once you opened up the door, I wanted to pick those off and see what they looked like and try to cut them up and dissect them. Uh, so we didn't have Galaga after that, but we did have an Atari, um, and a very angry father. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't cut capacitors and then put them back together. No, well, I don't know if you yeah. knew that, but. <laughs> well, I could have tried to solder it, but I was a little young for the, the gun back in the days. So you and I are opposites then because, uh. My love affair began at the age of 12. My dad brought home the Apple IIe. We're both uh-huh. a little bit old. We're dating ourselves here. <laughs> uh, my brothers, my sisters, my friends all wanted to play the video games on this thing. And I'm not, I mean, I did. I played some video games, but mostly I wanted to rip that thing up. I mean, kind of yeah, like what you're yeah, saying, yeah. right? I want to tear off the cover. <laughs> I wanted to help my dad install that brand new 9600 baud modem hey. so that we could dial into those BBS boards <laughs> and spend an hour downloading, you know, one picture or right. sound file or something stupid so but it was the coolest thing so anyways um okay so here we are you know when i got into computers at the ripe old age of 12 did not see myself fighting crime uh was that on your radar joe no no not at all but here we are right i mean uh we're an it company we really pride ourselves on fast response on processes on client education Uh, But man, we spend so much of our time fighting crime. I mean, who knew, right? We didn't get into this field as uh, I didn't go to criminal justice school. Um, But anyways, we're here. And the, the thing, you know, the title of this podcast, Stupid or Irresponsible, it's a title that can be a little inflammatory. And I've done that on purpose. We've talked about it before, but I wanted today to bring up an exact example. Uh, again, this title is stolen. It's pla- it's not plagiarized. I mean, we, we buy access to it, but there are a lot of IT companies that use this same marketing campaign. It's a letter that we send out called the stupid or irresponsible letter. Now, a lot of people got offended or, or they just maybe got squeamish. They, they couldn't handle calling people stupid. And I'm looking at one right now online of one of my colleagues title of the letter is, if you fall victim to a cyber attack by no fault of your own, will they call you careless or just irresponsible? Joe, I can't coddle people anymore. I can't do it because we've given stuff away. We've held their hands and, and they're still not taking it seriously. And so I've kind of come to the conclusion that if, guys, I'm sorry, if you don't care enough about your business to protect it from cybercrime, I can't care about your business more than you do. So uh, you know, take the advice, take the tools we're giving you or don't. But if you don't, you get hit. Sorry, you're stupid. And I'm going to use the word. So, all right, there's the introduction. Today, we are going to talk about a BEC attack that cost a very intelligent, very uh, established man, businessman, $400,000 that he did not recover. Joe, what is a BEC attack? BEC attack, uh, business email compromise. Uh, that's when somebody has access to 
or is faking that they have access to uh, your email account. Uh, what does it mean? What can it do? If they have an, if they have access to your email or at least the end user they're talking to, which could be your bank or any financial institution, you name it. If they think they're talking to you in your email account, they've got you've got the world. So if I uh, let's say you want my bank account and <laughs> you want to drain me of all of my riches, um, and you're not me, but you happen to have my username and password, first try, what happens? First try, uh, they might, uh, depending on how much security you've set up, uh, they might have some back doors or there might be some policies that the bank requires you to have to second guess or maybe check this email account. But definitely, the say, if they don't think it's you, if they think there's some kind of fraud, they're going to email, or if you try to reset your password, what do they do? They send your email. They send me an email. A to password, who exactly. I am. So Precisely. if you've got access to my email account, you're now me. Exactly. You've got all my money. I can I can get a brand new social security card. I can get a I can probably get a copy of your driver's license. I could get uh, financial records if you have. Uh, let's say you take care of your parents' bank accounts. Um, you can get access to their stuff. You can get. Well, listen. Just in case you want to get any big ideas, I can access your email account too. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So that's what a BEC. Or a scam is right. It's somebody gets access to your email, or they impersonate you. Sure, and it, yeah, and it doesn't even cover that. So that, I mean, there's a whole gamut of it. If if somebody can pretend to have your email address, we call it spoofing. If uh, they can just have a Yahoo account, and if they know enough about computers, they can send an email to. Unless you have security set up, it'll look exactly like it's coming straight from you. Yeah. So okay, human nature, right? I mean, we're we're talking about scary stuff. We can't really get through life believing that every bad thing's going to happen to us. Fair enough. I mean, Fair if enough. we did, we'd all just go live in a box somewhere. And I don't know. So we, one of the human defense mechanisms is to believe that bad things cannot happen to us. We're here talking about things that actually have happened. And hopefully we're going to bring some, you know, shed some light on this particular issue. Have you seen a BEC attack in real, for example, in, in our company, have you seen me being impersonated? Through a BEC You directly, um, I've never seen you directly, but uh, my old supervisor, I, I very recently got an email from him. Now, his email account doesn't exist, and I know that because I deleted the thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, asking for credentials uh, for one of our admin portals. Okay, so it's happening in, yeah, in all the our time, company. All the time. Most, yeah. yeah, and that's just our company. I mean, right. on a, almost a daily basis, I'm getting uh, spoofing campaigns. Uh, now, we have security set up. I don't want to get in the weeds here. We have DMARC set up and SPF records for all of our clients. So if somebody tries to send email as someone from one of our clients to anybody either within or without outside of the company, we get alerts automatically as the admins. They get an alert that somebody tried to send that email pretending to be them. And then we also have automatic uh, emails that go out to the FCC um, and the FBI, different government agencies. So we're reporting the fraud automatically. That automatically report it um, with all the pertinent de details. We call them headers and stuff within the email that uh, specifically say where did they really come from? Was, right. you know, was it Colombia or what China? You name it. And that's spoofing you're talking about in particular, right? A spoofed email would, would set off those alerts. Any, yeah, any kind But of, if you actually logged into my email account, it's not triggering those alerts, correct? Right, right, So right. that's what we've really got to be careful of. We have all kinds of protections we can put against spoofing, but man, we it sounds like we've got to yeah, lock definitely. down our email. Uh, and the, the most basic of those would be multi-factor authentication, MFA. Uh, you might see 2FA. 
out there. I would highly recommend anybody. If you have a, any kind of Yahoo account, uh, any kind of Gmail personal account, you name it, I would 100% set up MFA. It'll save you so much time, headache, and effort. I uh, right. Swear. Okay. So let's get into the nuts and bolts of this one. We're going to talk about a guy named Vern Harnish. I, I, did I introduce his name already? I can't remember now. Uh, it doesn't matter. This guy is, like I said, he's a very smart guy. He goes around teaching, coaching business owners and other executives on on really how to build their business. His book is called Scaling Up. Uh, I've read his book. I've been to his seminars. I've taken his courses. I've met him in person. The guy's brilliant. He's he's a great guy, uh, but he got hit. Now, Vern Harnish, not stupid. He he had protections in place. He, you know, and and well, well, let's just get into that story. So he's in a foreign country, Russia, right? Wasn't it yeah, Russia, Russia that he was yeah. doing a, a big presentation to 3,000 CEOs, executives, entrepreneurs, whatever. Uh, but that day he used what he just says, public network, a public network. So I'm assuming it's Wi-Fi. We can make assumptions. Probably hotel Wi-Fi, was. something yeah. like that. But in that process, somebody was able to sniff out his emails. They pick up on the fact that he has, well, so he's getting alerts from his bank, which is a smart practice. Every day his bank emails him his bank account uh, balances. So, you know, there's automatically there's a red flag. Somebody's saying, hey, there's money on this one. <laughs> Excuse me. So now the attack begins, right? They, they hack his email and they start impersonating him. But they're not spoofing him. They're actually inside his email account. Right. They actually have his email access. So As far as we can tell from the article, right? Because we weren't there. No. But, uh, okay, so they've got access to his email and they see his admin and Vern communicating about money being wired to uh, purchase some property somewhere. And so these, uh, these crooks, they, they just kind of watch and they look at the patterns. They look at the language. They look at the dialogue. They look at the timing, the frequency, the, the type of transactions. And they, they just sit and they learn this stuff until they were able to very accurately impersonate Vern Harnish, and then they make the attack. They they email the admin, say, hey, uh, this is Vern, your boss. I need money wired here, here, and here. It was three or four different places. It's got to be done fast. And now, to the bank's credit, they raised a red flag in this case. And they said uh, to his admin, I don't know, we'll call her Sue. And the bank says, hey, Sue, this one transaction out of the three or four, this one looks a little bit fishy. We recommend you call Vern and confirm that this is true. This is a real uh, request. Now, Vern's in Russia. I guess he didn't have his cell phone on or, you know, so his admin emails Probably him. there's a time difference that as well. A, oh, he might yeah, be asleep. Yeah, yeah, time, time, that's exactly right. He said that, didn't he? So, um, so she emails him and says, when can we get on a call? Now, who's Vern? Who's, who's reading Vern's email right now? Yeah. It's not Vern, Vern's no, asleep. No, it's the bad guy. So the bad guys pick up this email and they respond to it and they say, listen, I'm traveling. I don't have time to talk to you. I've already confirmed it. Wire the damn money, right? That's the kind of the right. essence of what now, again, all in Vern's tone, his mannerisms and whatever else. And it was believable. And Sue, the admin, says, okay, you know, he's the boss. I'm going to do what he says. And, and the money gets wired. Now, meanwhile, the crooks, they delete all these emails. They're deleting the bank notifications they're they're Vern's not seeing any of this stuff it's all happening without his knowledge um by the time he figures it out it's game over the the money's gone so um Joe what let's talk about what Vern did right what Vern did wrong 
Well, specifically off the top of my head, what was wrong? Uh, any kind of financial, just don't get on public Wi-Fi. Uh, right. Rule number one, because that's where this started, right? Basically, exactly. Yeah. Um, I would highly suggest if you do get on public Wi-Fi, you've got a proxy VPN or a site-to-site VPN set up. What that'll do is it'll it'll if there's a hacker in there that's uh, trying to we call it sniff sniff packet sniffing, uh, they can read your emails if you're on a public Wi-Fi, unless you have a you know a proxy VPN or a VPN set up, uh, and, and it just scrambles it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. As far as they're concerned, it's all gibberish. Um, and I don't want to get into details yeah, exactly. No, that's fine. If you don't have that, I mean, you're reading verbatim what that email says. You can read from the subject to the all of the, your confidential stuff on the inside. Um, like they can say how much money's in his bank account. Exactly. They're like, hey, we got one here. Exactly. Let's hit him. Okay, so public act, public networks. No, no, don't yeah, do that. Just do don't. That. No. What is an option? Okay, we're we're out and about. We got the laptop. We need to access the internet, and we're at Starbucks. Do or do not use Starbucks Wi-Fi. I would not, no. Do not, ever. Never. Ever. No, no. What do we do, though? I would, I, I mean, if you're on your hotspot, mobile hotspot, okay. on your phone, I would 100% use that. So uh, that's as safe as the VPN thing you're talking about, which is another letter, layer of complexity people don't need, right? Yeah, by default, yeah, those are encrypted as well, which is yeah. the same thing. So just use a use your uh, your phone as a hotspot. Yeah, cellular data. To do that. Okay. I think the Starlink is uh, also going to be that Elon Musk. Uh, we'll get to that later. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, next thing. What what did he do wrong? Uh, let's see. I mean, he was doing something. He had some... So, so one thing, not necessarily he did wrong. Um, now, we could have changed how these, how these alerts went out and stuff, but when the bank said to the admin, hey, you need to call Vern to verify this, she had to email it. Now, we, we noticed, uh, you know, the easiest thing, because it was different time difference and stuff, they went a little lax on that. Well, going a little lax cost them a ton of money. Uh, yeah, $400,000. So sending the email, the bad guys are looking at it. You know, obviously a phone call, you could kind of, you'd have more presence of mind to know that you're talking to the admin or to uh, to Vern and to verify it. But okay. 100%, uh, yeah, follow those banks and trucks. But honestly, uh Setting up those other security, at least talking about your security policies, number one, will at least right. bring to your attention the changes that have been made uh, last year or since the year before that, um, when you thought you had everything straightened out and now hackers just got that much smarter. And, you know, in this case, the the best thing they could have done, you know, hindsight, right? Uh, no. Again, I am not beating on Vern. This guy had a lot of systems in place. He was doing the right things in a lot of ways. But in this case, one key component that was missing is don't ever allow money to be authorized over email or at least not over the initial ver- form of communication. So if email is where it initiated, get another form of communication in there, like a direct phone call. Yeah. Um, have two ways of communicating with the person authorizing the, the transmission of money. So, uh, so let's, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about FDIC $400,000 out of the bank account. Shouldn't Vern be able to go to the bank and say, Hey, Mr. Banker, uh, I love you. You love me. We're here to take care of each other. I'd like my $400,000 back, please. Jim, or <laughs> Joe, tell me what FDIC is and why it does not help in a case like this. Uh, yeah. So the FDIC is not to protect us. They're to protect the banks. Uh, when it so bank- indirectly, they protect us, right? Uh, I mean, uh, kind of. Each, I guess so. I but, mean, but yeah, directly, they're they're insuring against what? Bank fraud? No, no. Not, not bank fraud. No, they're to save, if you have money in a bank and the bank folds, we're thinking- Insolvency, right? Exactly. Yeah. So let's say, and it, it, even then, it's only up to a quarter million dollars. Right. So if you have 
you know, $500,000 in equities in some, some bank, um, and that bank goes under, uh, especially during these times here, you're only guaranteed uh, $250,000, up to $250,000 from them. But again, that's only if the bank goes under. Right. That's so not fraud. Not Nothing to do whatsoever with fraud. Right. Okay. So on that note, what, what I frequently tell people to do is call their bank, talk to them, know what their policies are, know their process, understand your risks, understand your, your limitations, your liabilities, um, what they can do, what they will do, what they will not do. Right. So as much as I've been giving that advice, it's only today that I follow that advice, guys. This might be a little <laughs> irresponsible on my part, but listen, as we uh, do these podcasts, uh, we're learning. Oh, we're going to go there. <laughs> Fine, you're fired. Um, yeah. So so I recorded this call, and it's seven minutes. We're going to listen to it. It's a little bit long, but stick with me because there's, and there's two key things I want you to look at. Well, I want you to look at the difference in response between the two people I talked to. Uh, so pay attention to that. I talked to one person and then they transferred me to somebody else. So look at the discrepancies there. Um, and, you know, seven minutes, I know it's a little bit long, but I edited out about half of it just because of all the hold times. I'm saving you that much time. Uh, so here we go. We're going to take a listen to that now. Thank you for calling. My name is May I ask what I'm speaking to, please? Yeah, my name is Justin. How may I help you today, sir? Well, I just have a question. I'm not sure if I'm talking to the right, right department or not, but um, the question came up in a meeting I was in uh, regarding kind of cybersecurity, I guess. If somebody was able to access our account and steal money out of it, it mm-hmm. what is the... Like, is there any protection in place for that? Is there any way of getting it back? And this is strictly hypothetical. Nothing's happened. I'm just trying to get mm-hmm. ahead of this thing because I hear about it happening all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, absolutely, sir. We definitely do have a fraud group. We have uh, a claims process in place. Uh, we go ahead and start an investigation. Um, we also provide a temporary credit. Um, until the investigation has been uh, completed. Your account is also $250,000 federally insured. And that federal insurance applies in the case of fraud? Yes. Okay. Because I'd heard that that was not true. And on the FDIC, you know, when I looked that up, it says that theft and fraud are not covered. By the federally insured? Well, by FDIC. Is that different from what you're talking about? Well, we're not going to hold you accountable for anything that you didn't do either. I mean, there's definitely protocols in place. Uh, again, we'll do an investigation, verify the transactions, uh, you know, get with wherever the money went, do our investigation, and then we would give you your funds back after the investigation was completed. Uh, well, permanently. We would give you a temporary credit, um, and again, until the investigation was completed. Okay, and I just keep digging because this is the exact opposite of what I've heard over and over, that if somebody was able to access my account, wire money out of it, or, you know, what happens a lot with these scams is that um, somebody would trick my admin, for example, into, you know, wiring money out of my account. But you're saying that in those cases, you would temporarily issue a credit and then eventually be able to permanently refund that money. Correct. Okay. Do you have that in writing anywhere? Um, I'm not sure I can get you with the claims representative if you'd like. Yeah, could you please? We're just trying to get, every, like I said, we're trying to document everything and get all of our processes in place. Yeah, 
absolutely give me just a moment, okay? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Pride in providing you with excellent service and look forward to speaking with you. Recorded, me your first last name. Justin Shelley. Thank you. May please also help me with your account number or debit card number? Yeah, the debit card number is... Thank you so much. Allow me a moment first to pull up the account. Okay. All right, so I've got an account here pulled up with my answer. Shall I'd like to confirm, is this a business account? Yes. All right, thank you. And how can I help you? Well, so I'm just trying to... We're updating our policies and stuff. Um, the conversations come up multiple times on fraud. Like, for example, if somebody were able to impersonate me and, you know, get gain access to the account, wire money out of it, what... What's the policy? What's the process? I mean, is that money lost forever? Do you guys have a way of getting it back? Like, where are those limits? What do we need to be watching out for and protecting against? Because what I've heard is that if, if the money is gone for a period of time, usually like 24 to 48 hours or beyond, that there's no way of getting it back and then we are just at risk for that. Is, is that accurate? Uh, depending on what transaction we're disputing. So can you give me, I mean, and, and maybe you can just point me to a document that explains all of this, but I just want to know um, what types of transactions are covered, what types are not, uh, what the recommended security measures are. Uh, we're just trying to, you know, like I said, get ahead of this. I, I'm sitting here reading an article about a colleague who had $400,000 wired out of his account and, and was not able to recover it. So I just want to know where all of the risks are and what we need to be doing in-house to protect against them. So uh, you're not filing any claim with us? Not right now, no. I'm, I'm trying to prevent it. But So again, I'm, I just want to know what types of claims are the most dangerous. You know, like for example, I'm, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if I use my credit card or if somebody gets access to my credit card number and uses it, that's pretty easy to dispute to get that money back. But my understanding also is that if somebody were able to like log into my account, for example, and wire money out without my knowledge, that's a different story and there's no way to get that money back. Yes, especially if our investigation team would found out that the, um, the device where the transaction was made is the same as the IP address you um, usually use to access your account. Right, so if somebody, let's let's throw the example out there. If somebody were able to remote into my computer, um, unauthorized access, but they, they have remote access to my computer, um, my passwords are saved, they could pull up the com website, log in as me, transfer money out. In that case, we're just up a crick, right? There's, there's no way of getting that money back. Yes, the, the bank will, know, um, will hold no liability for that. Okay. Are there other scenarios where that's true, where the bank holds no liability? And do you have any kind of a document that lays that out? Uh, no, we don't provide it to um, customers, sir. You don't provide information about what's covered and what's not, and you don't offer any kind of recommendations on how to prevent fraud. Is that what you're telling me? I know. What we cannot provide is internal information. What can you provide me? What can you do to help me minimize my risks before they happen, before I'm calling you in desperation? 
Um, if you have or if you believe that your account is a possible um, victim of identity theft, I can connect you over to our customer protection group. No, I mean you're missing my point. Everybody's account is is susceptible to identity theft, right? I'm looking for best practices. I'm looking for preventive measures. I'm looking for ways to protect from this kind of thing happening. Uh, and I was just wondering if from your perspective, you had some examples of what types of transactions, first of all, are not covered, and second of all, how to protect against them. Do you have any kind of information like that? No. Wow. So that's just absolutely not the type of customer service I expected to call or receive when I called bank. That really surprises me. So Joe, there you have it. You know, my phone call with my beloved bank, who I was just absolutely sure had my back. And I mean, two different people, two completely different responses. What are your thoughts there? Uh, I mean, were I you surprised? You, I thought you summed it up pretty well with, wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Like, WTF, guy. Like, I, I, I'm blown away. Number one, that the first representative told me not to worry. Right. Everything's covered. Yeah. We're going to get your money back, sir. No problem. Second one can't even help me. Like, that is crazy. They don't even tell you. They don't even have documentation on that. We don't offer that to customers. Yeah. That's it's wild. like it's internal. It's hidden. It's secret. We know, but <laughs> you're on your own. So I, I was legitimately blown away, guys, when I made this call. I And in, in fact, talking to the first gal, I'm thinking, wow, I might be wrong. We might have to change this entire podcast because she's telling me they're going to protect me. <laughs> and then we get on with the other one who says, not only we're we not going to protect you, we're not even going to tell you wow. what we protect against, what we don't protect against, and, and how you can make some sort of effort to protect yourself. So uh, you had a different experience. I did the phone call. You went online and did a little research. What did you find? Uh, pretty much the same thing. Uh, so I went to Citibank's website to see what their fraud policies are. Um, yeah, it's not looking good. Uh, so from directly from there, uh, our online and mobile fraud protection applies to an unauthorized EFT from a deposit account only. It does not cover losses arising directly or indirectly from voluntary surrender of your password, your PIN, uh, an ATM, POS, point of sales, or debit transactions using your bank card. It does not cover your wealth management investment accounts. Your online or mobile fraud does not uh, cover wire transfers, uh, losses out of uh, fraudulent, dishonest, or criminal acts by a customer, whether acting alone or with others. So if, if you're just somebody trying to, ha uh, you know, picking on your, your grandma or something. Uh, capital gain, income, or profit loss. Basically, they don't they don't cover any kind of fraud whatsoever. Yeah, They're so not liable. fraud I picked up on uh, debit cards. That's not new information, but something worth pointing out. If you use your debit card versus you know with a pin versus a credit card, there's a difference there. So use credit where possible. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're not there to help you. Uh, well, and then going back to the credit cards, so I looked up uh, visas. What is their liability policy? And they say, well. Um, in five to 10 business days, uh, we may or may not be able to, I'll read it particularly, uh, the transaction issue must be posted on your account before replacement funds can be issued. Uh, for specific restrictions, limitations, and other details, consult your issuer. Expect five to 10 or more business days. So, so they're in no hurry. No, not at all. Happen. So if you're talking, um, you know, a personal anecdote for me, I, 
I got uh, my debt, my debit card or my credit card got hacked on a on a skimmer on a gas station. That's my assumption anyway. And uh, so there were money taken out. Well, that five to ten business days, uh, it was actually more like three weeks. Uh, there was a holiday in there, granted, um, but that was three weeks where I didn't have whatever amount. I think it was like five hundred bucks. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, this was like post college days. I was eating a lot of ramen in those times, and that meant something. It really <laughs> yeah, did. That's a lot of money. Seriously. So uh, you're gonna you're gonna concur with our title that the bank is not your friend. No, absolutely not, not. your no, friend. No. Um, I will say, you know, when we were doing the security seminars last year, we partnered with a bank and I'm, I'm trying to keep names out of this to protect both the innocent and the guilty, uh, but they were awesome. You know, they partnered with us. They tried to get the information out. They were trying to help their clients. They genuinely cared. I mean, I talked to the people behind the scenes and I was blown away, especially in contrast to what I just heard from my own bank. So <laughs> maybe it's time for a switch. Um, anyways, let's go ahead and uh, kind of wrap this up. The uh, my, my, takeaway, I guess, maybe not a takeaway, but as I read the article by Vern Harnish, um, I was impressed where at the, at the end, he said, the big failure was not thinking this could happen to me. And, you know, we've talked about that earlier on this podcast. We've talked about it in previous podcasts. Um, you know, and I'm guilty of it myself. Like I said, it's human nature. It's what we do. We kind of have to, to, to even face the world. We have to believe that bad things aren't going to happen to us. But guys, we got to keep our eyes open on this one. Uh, this stuff is happening all the time. So what's stupid? Stupid, I'm sorry to say it, is thinking that your bank is there to protect you when you get hit with fraud because I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Uh, if it's happened already, that sucks. But guess what? It's probably going to happen again. So don't think your bank's there to protect you. What's irresponsible? I would say not having a plan or maybe not having the right plan. And Joe, you talked about plans before. What was your kind of your takeaway from this whole thing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, policies need to be updated. Uh, you think you've got it down and you're going to go lax. Uh, and a year later, just criminals keep getting smarter and smarter. And we just have to stay ahead of the game. Always check your policies. Always have a procedure in place to check your policies at least once a year. All right. So guys, on that note, I will point you to our security webinar Go to master-computing.com slash webinar and sign up for that security webinar. We give you free tools. We give you free training. Uh, like I said in the beginning, we will coddle. We will hold your hand. But when you don't take our help or our advice, I'm sorry, I'm going to call you stupid too. Um, if you don't want to do the webinar and you know you've got a problem, you want to jump right into things and get serious, then go to master-computing.com slash discovery and book a 10-minute call with myself. And we'll go over, you know, uh, what we can do to help and get you started on a path to having a solid plan in place and constantly reviewing that plan um, and, and just making sure that you're doing the right things to minimize all the risk that we possibly can. Because, as we love to say, and it's true, by the way, 97 percent of these issues could have been prevented with basic measures in place. Right? We're not we're not talking about Joe. Do we charge him a fortune for this stuff? I mean, no, uh, not in comparison to what gets, uh, you know, the repercussions of it. So take us up on that offer, guys. Master-computing.com slash discovery. Book a call. Get started uh, creating a plan and then making sure that it is constantly reviewed, revised, and properly implemented. Joe, do you have any final words or thoughts for us? Uh, no. No? Okay. That's it, guys. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>